Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Church Next show with Myron and my girl Jade. We are so excited to have you guys here today. Um, And we have a very special guest, somebody that you all know and love and uh, enjoy every week. It is our very own Myron Pierce. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey. Dr. Myron. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm working on an honorary doctorate right now. There you go. (laughs) doctor of hustling and speaking of hustling we are (laughs) talking about uh you know launching a side hustler um if you guys have been following us so far we've been in this business made missional series which has been phenomenal and really just game changing for us and uh we're totally excited to have this conversation with myron because he's really like a mastermind if you guys don't know now you know He's just the jack of all trades and uh, definitely want to hear more of what he's doing. So real quick, Jade, tell me how you're feeling. I'm good. How are you, Jennifer? I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. And, uh, Myron, Myron, Myron. All right. Hey. So <clears throat> let, let's let's get to you. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's the honor. Lyman, <laughs> <laughs> you are no stranger to the show. Um, thank you for being here. Not that you had much of a choice either way. <laughs> that. But we do thank you for being here with us today. So like we said, you're no stranger to the show, no stranger to our audience. But for those of um, our viewers that may be your first time here or don't know much about you in general, can you tell us about yourself? Who are you? What has your journey been? Um, a bit of your testimony and then tell us about your um ministry as well yeah so it's good to be here side note if we steve and malcolm on the show jay not that you knew him at all but that would be super super fun if steve and malcolm was on the show one day that's just a side oh note. He, yeah he um, wouldn't mind at all <laughs> uh no i'm from omaha nebraska uh, born and raised, man, for those of you who don't know, and I've been in ministry now for over a decade <clears throat> and uh, on this side of the prison wall. So started life pretty ragged and rugged. Um, both my parents were on drugs and uh, consequently, I had a lot of free time <clears throat> and uh, that free time led me to uh, getting involved in drugs and gangs and crime and you know, by the time I was 15, I was on my way to the penitentiary. So I went to the pen and uh, spent some time there and got out and really did the same thing. I was probably out for about five months. And uh, after those five months, I was right back in jail facing really a, a significant amount of time. I mean, over a life, over a life sentence. But 20 years ago this year, <clears throat> Jesus met me in a jail cell and uh, I prayed this ridiculous, yeah, simple prayer. God, if you're real, I'm destroying my life. Um, but if you change me, I serve you for the rest of my life. And that really began my journey. And so spent a significant amount of time in prison. Just gave me a 16 to 33 year sentence without parole. And I was walking out the courtroom and I heard the Holy Spirit say, um, I'm going to get you out of prison. 
And uh, you're going to be a pastor. You're going to plant churches. So that's been my journey. I'm married to my wife. We've been married now for 13 years in May. We have five. We have four kids. I have a, another kid who's 23. I know I don't look it. Um, <laughs> black don't crack. <clears throat> and uh, it's been dope. The church that I now lead, we've planted a few. And uh, we're, we're really about the hood. We're really about the inner city. And in fact, our, our, our main thing is, hey, let's 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 accept the invitation from God to saturate every inner city with diverse, hope filled churches. Mm-hmm. And so along that along those lines, I, I'm a I am I'm an entrepreneur. And for a long time, especially on this side of the penitentiary wall, there's this invisible box that a lot of pastors are in. <clears throat> and the box is. You may preach on Sunday. You can do some counseling. You can uh, do some weddings. Um, you can go to some conferences. Um, and that's really about it. <laughs> you know, and I just said, man, kick the box, put it in the fire and use it for kindling. Because I don't know that God... Uh, that's all that there is to, to who I am as a leader and other leaders. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been on this, um, I don't know, trajectory of inspiring church leaders to not truncate their spiritual gifts to the four walls of the church. And it's been fun doing it. So along the way, we launched the incubator here a couple of years ago called Shift Home Hall. And the whole goal there was to help shift 10 percent of North Omaha into an entrepreneurial mindset and then franchise that model in every inner city. So a couple couple, I don't know, it's been two years now. We've launched over 40 companies. We've consulted and coached dozens of inner city entrepreneurs. And uh, it's been fun, man. And we're just now getting started. Nice, nice. <clears throat> and I, I love how you shared like a little autobiography of, you know, where you started, you know, what happened in between. And now here you are um, just branching and expanding all over the place, uh, kind of like a modern day Joseph. That's how I think of it. That's how I think of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, Mr. Renaissance man. Hey, you are just prophesying in the last <laughs> 10 seconds. You've prophesied so much to me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> so you wrote a book called Side Hustle Pastor. Talk, uh, t- excuse me. Tell us about that and why you wrote it. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, probably a couple of years ago, 2017, I believe I walked outside and I looked up, up in the sky and I saw money falling from the sky. It was an interesting phenomenon. I called my homeboy. I said, hey, bro, um, you ain't going to believe this, but money is falling from the sky. He said, man, whatever you smoking, I'm on my way. (laughs) Whatever you smoking, I'm on my way. And um, it it was me imagining money because it was actually hailing outside. And so when I called him, I said, money's falling from, from the sky. It's hailing right now. Let's start a roofing company. The only problem with that is I, I don't like roofs and, I, and I'm scared of heights. You know what I'm saying? And so, but that, that really was one of those journeys where 
we saw an opportunity to start a company and, and that company uh, from the jump, we said it's God's company. Let's take a portion of it and sew it back into what we're doing at Mission Church. And then let's build up the bag for us and our and our and our and our kids. And so we did that. <clears throat> and along the way, I thought, man, God just kept pressing me. You know, he kept pressing me that the church needs to adopt contextual models, right? That support adding value to the communities we live in, but then creating an ecosystem of commerce in, in inner cities like ours because it's it's necessary. And so as I've done that, um, we became insanely successful. I think in the first year, um, we I think the revenue was like a half a million dollars. But up until that point, I had never seen that amount of money, right? But it gave us a significant sense of empowerment to be able to have options, especially when you're in the hood. More money equals more options. You know, the option to take our whole leadership team to the global leadership summit or our whole leadership, our whole leadership to take our whole team to the exponential conference, right? It was in those times we were able to do that. Right. And, and so along the way I would have pastors ask me like, yo man, can you talk to me about this and this and this? And I've, I've been preaching for this long. I've been doing this in church and, and I'll look at him and say, man, but there's more to you. There's more to you. Like, think about the missional opportunities you could have. Think about the fact that tithes and offerings are on the decline <clears throat> and you have a family. And, and, and the last time I checked, our first ministry isn't to the local church. Our first ministry is to our families. And so you need an income that when everything is on the decline, when it comes to tithes and offerings, you need to be able to create new streams of income. That's why when we launched our, our, our clothing brand, one of the collections we have is called Seven Streams. And I looked in Ecclesiastes 11.2 one day and King Solomon himself said, create seven and even eight streams because you don't know the destruction that's coming upon the land. And so as I'm, as I'm having all these conversations with pastors along the way, I'm just, I thought, you know what? Let's create a small resource that gives pastors the nuts and bolts of launching a company that can be a revenue stream for them and their family and fund what God has called them to. And it's been beautiful because it's small and yet it's full of power for entrepreneurs or pastors who say, yeah, man, like, because the reality is most pastors are entrepreneurs. You know, they've, they've just, bought into the lie that all they're supposed to do is preach on Sunday. That's true. That's true. So sidebar question, speaking of that, how do you help pastors shift out of that mindset that they're just called to do stuff on Sunday? Man, man, let's, let's get into it. Cause this is so important. So think about this, Jennifer and Jay. Let me ask you this. I guess I'll ask the question, but I'll ask a question back. Um, when you when you think about when you think about incubators and places of, of transformation and change and equipping. What's the largest organization in the world that has the capacity to train up entrepreneurs? 
How would you answer that? Hmm. I would Jay, say- Jay acts like she knows the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Waiting for Jennifer to answer. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, to me, and I'm thinking from a historical context and now, I would say the church, you know, has that ability to raise up entrepreneurs. <laughs> You know, of all the people that come to church that bring their professions and things, you know, that's really the largest training ground to me. And yet it's the least tapped. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I believe every church is an incubator for mission and business. How do I know that? By experience. So when we launched this last church. Um. I have a marketing company. So I had my, I had one of the leaders on our team. I said, Hey, I want you to handle all things, social media. And my company is going to pay you to work for our church. Five years ahead. She's learned how to design. She's learned how to market. And now she has her own company, her own photography company. If she would have had, listen, if she would, if she would have went to college for that, social media marketing, um, design, you know, photography, she would have spent at least at minimum $75,000. But on our dime, we resourced her, coached her, and now she leads a photography. She has a photography company. I'm asking her for a donation now. You know what I'm saying? And 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 so like when when we talk about the question of like how do we get pastors to see? I think the first thing is remember when God told Moses, He said, "Hey, you're going to like lead these people out." And Moses is like, "No, nah, man, I can't speak." This and all the excuses. And I think us as pastors, we do the same thing. We say, hey, man, you have an entrepreneurial like gift and talent. And, and most of them are like, no, nah, man, I'm just, you know, I went to Bible college and this and this and this. But the reality is. When God got ready to use Moses, the first thing God said was, what's in your hand? And if you see that that that, that theme biblically is woven throughout the tapestry of the Old and the New Testament. And so to get pastors to think about how they have incubated leaders, sometimes unintentionally and unaware, but yet they're sitting in the seat. So, uh, so I, I think it first starts off by saying, hey, do you realize what's in your hand? That every single week at a minimum, you get 60 minutes and, and that's not even a lot of time because we're competing with TikTok and Instagram and, and LinkedIn for people's attention. Right. But but every single week we as pastors have an opportunity to help shape the thinking from from, you know, normal to to innovative of the with with the people that we have. For example. Not what 90% of our leadership team all have businesses. How did that happen? I, I shifted, I shifted my thinking and thought 
like they're not just they're not just here to fulfill the dream God's given me. They're here so that I can help fulfill the dream that God has given them. So if we're going to pivot as pastors, it, it really is a selfish act because it means possibly people aren't going to be spending five, 10 hours in kids ministry. They're not going to be spending time filling our, the things that we're doing, right? Nor do I want them to. And so that's been a shift. We got a shift. There's a lot of things when we think of paradigms that need to shift is if we're going to include people who have a call in their life to provide solutions in places where people are hurting and, and in need of a solution. Indeed. And as you were talking, you know, I was thinking about how people have been saying throughout the years, you know, the wealth of the wicked uh, will be transferred to the just. And it's like, well, it's not, even though you said money was falling out the sky, it's not just going to fall out the sky for us right. out of the blue. There is a transition of mindset and positioning that we have to do as Christians, as the body of Christ, in order for that wealth transfer to come to us. So, you know, when we're thinking about that, you know, being in business. Well, having, well think about what you think about what you just said. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the for the just. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, we've said there's going to be a transfer of wealth. Mm -hmm. If there's a transfer of wealth without the permission of the wicked, we'll end up going to jail. That part. So the transfer of wealth happens through transaction. If there's no transaction, there's no transfer. What do I mean? We have to do business with the wicked. In order to get the wealth. They're not just going to give it to us because we're not their kids. That's called inheritance. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad you broke it down like that because we really don't discuss the practicalities involved with it. You know, yes, there is the spiritual side and, and the will of God and things like that, but we got to be in position. You got to mm -hmm. be in position. So this is why you need to get the skills. You don't necessarily have to go back to college or go to college to get the skills. I mean, you can go online, Udemy, all these different places. I think Harvard's got courses online for free now where you can pick up skills that can position you to be of service to, quote unquote, the wicked and begin to get the wealth transferred into who you are as a child of God. So then that way you can start funding kingdom business and kingdom projects mm -hmm. that you're attached to. So yes. Um, <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Myron, how do you manage, how do you manage to lead a church and run a company? Um, that's a great question. So let me, let me, <laughs> let me preface it with this. Y'all remember the, the parable Jesus told of uh, the talents, right? Jesus says, hey, dude had one talent, um, was given by his master. Second dude got two, third got five, right? And I've read that for years. But when you put on, when you read the Bible, through the lens of entrepreneurship, you see so much. 
And it dawned on me, like I, I'd, I'd have people say, man, like, how are you doing all that? You leading the church, you traveling, you speaking, you coaching, you consulting, you being a dad, you, you pastoring, you leading, you doing real estate, you putting on a conference and all like all these things. And all of a sudden that parable makes more sense to me. And uh, the Lord really showed me a, a one talent leader will always criticize a two talent leader. And a two-talent leader will always criticize a five-talent leader. And the reason why is they don't understand. And I started to see the word talent equated with the word capacity. So if I only have capacity, you know, if I have, you know, this cup right here, there's only so much that this cup can contain. But if I had this, this one right here that you can't really see three, four times its size, it can, it can hold and contain more. And I think it's like that as a leader, we have to understand what's our capacity. How much can I bear? How much can I hold on my shoulders? And if I go beyond that, then I'm outside the will of God. If I go beyond my ability to do, I go outside. And how do I know I'm outside the will of God? Sometimes it finds its, it, it expresses itself in burnout. That mm-hmm. yeah. I've taken on so much in terms of capacity that I no longer have anything else to give. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's the same thing at, for me, right? I think it's me recognizing, okay, what season am I in? Mm-hmm. Right. And how much capacity do I have as a pastor and leader? And I think sometimes. We don't, as pastors, have capacity to do both mm-hmm. because we're not willing to delegate in the church. Mm-hmm. We, we, we somehow believe that the church rises and falls on ourselves rather than Jesus. Yeah. So how, what did I have to do? First of all, I had to shift our culture uh, to a family culture mm-hmm. in our church. Because if, if it's a family culture versus is an organizational culture or a business or a nonprofit culture, then, then the members feel like volunteers mm. yeah. instead of family members. Mm. Yeah. Volunteers will say, well, you know, I can only do it at this time. Mm. But a family member says, no, I'm a part of this family and I have responsibility. Mm. So part of the way I've been able to do it is to help our leadership team recognize that the plurality of leadership matters in terms of I'm not leading the church. Mm-hmm. We're serving the church under the lordship of Jesus mm-hmm. as sons and daughters, which implies we all have a role to, to play. Yeah. How have I done it? I've decentralized the way we do church. We're, we're, we're functioning as a church more as a family that's not driven by an Obi-Wan Kenobi. It mm-hmm. doesn't rise and fall off of me take me off the map and I guarantee somebody else going to be raised up real quick because we've decided that we are owning the vision of God together. Yeah. Secondly, I, I think the, the kind of hustles or organ companies or startups that you have really does matter in, in the space that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I'm automatically thinking whatever I start can't compete with what I'm doing. It has to complete what I'm doing and it has to fit in an ecosystem, this ecosystem called Myron Mm -hmm. that God has called me to. 
Mm-hmm. Do, does everything that I do complement it? Do it? Does it feed it? And if everything's not feeding off itself in terms of inter, like the whole interdependence. So I'll, I'll, I'd like to say it like this, every pastor, if he or she's going to launch a, a hustle, if they're going to start a company, you have to think of your life as an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. If I bring in this startup, does this startup accentuate what the king is doing in my life? Whether through through church or through through business. And if it doesn't, then I have to I don't know, I have to pivot a little bit to make sure that, you know, that it supports the overall call that God has, mm-hmm. you know, on my life. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that. That's something that PE is always talking to us about is the full circle and everything in that circle making sense. But when you talk about capacity, because I was just thinking about this. So um, like you use the analogy of the jars or a cup or something like that. Now, we know how much the cup can hold. uh, But if you were to um, pour it to its very limit, Um, sometimes that's not good either. So there's a difference between knowing um, the capacity and the maximum limit, if you know what I mean, because what Mm -hmm. one thing that I've found in this journey with God and in ministry is that God can pivot you at any time or he can um, put something else on your plate or bless you with something that's also going to require some space in your life. So for example, if we were to... um, pour a cup right up to its um, capacity, full capacity, and you were to move the cup quickly and pivot it and shift it, things are likely to spill out. So you're likely to, you know, things are likely to fall off your plate. So how then do you get to the point without getting to the point of burnout? How do you um, determine your capacity and how do you keep a balance that is like, okay, this is my capacity. At this point, I will spill out. At this point, I will burn out. So let me keep it here. So how do you find that balance and as a um, entrepreneurial pastor and a pastor with a side hustle um, how do you how did you personally find that place where it's like I can go to this point in my capacity that's man that is really really a good question here's where the here's where the illustration breaks down I believe that God calls us to do things we couldn't do in and of ourselves and because he does that he helped it actually increases our capacity, right? So if, if, so, so one of the ways that, that we continue to grow our capacity is through learning, right? I, I can't grow beyond the parameters of my own knowledge, right? So there's a self-learning and a tenacity to say, I'm not okay with what I know currently because what I, what I know can't get me to the next leg of the, leg of the journey. The second way that I've that I think is important to help increase capacity so that so that you don't get to break out to, to burn out is is through our it's through our common union with other leaders who have more capacity than ourselves. But if 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 birds of a feather flock together, like if that if that's really true, then I have to find people with more capacity because I don't. Because I need to be able to understand what it's like. Proximity then matters when it comes to capacity. That's what I'm trying to say. Another way to determine capacity is sheer potential. The reality is this. We don't know how much potential we have until we actually do something. 
So I don't, I don't know if I have the capacity to run a marketing company, be on the stat, be on, be on the, the leadership team of leadership network exponential, be a dad, be a husband. I don't know my limit until I push the limit. But the problem is most people are unwilling to push the limits because of the comfort, because it's comfortable. You know, oh, it's comfortable to have a nice little church salary or, or lack thereof. Right. I think another way that I think is important for burnout, regardless of where our capacity is, which is the reason why we even have this show, um, the church next show is healthy, you know, healthy reproduction and healthy multiplication, healthy impact. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of. I think I hear, you know, I think, Jennifer, you talk a lot about I see you talk a lot about this, like in in some way, form or fashion, taking care of our own souls. Mm -hmm. Right. That my soul, you know, needs reprieve. My soul needs recreation, recreation. My soul needs needs to attend it to and attuned to. That's why over the last couple of years, probably the last five years, I found it very, very ex- extremely important to have a counselor, a therapist, mm-hmm. uh, and, and then outside of that, to have a community of people who care for you and aren't necessarily, I don't know, fan struck or starstruck over your influence, yeah. right, or, or anything like that. So to summarize it, I'd say we have to continue to grow our capacity through learning. Mm-hmm. Having a common unity with leaders who've been further down the road than we than than you are. Thirdly, having a plan for health, mm-hmm. right? Because I really think that matters. And then fourthly, you don't know until you know. You don't know what your capacity is until you're you're really you're able to to leverage your potential, actually do something that matters to the kingdom of God. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for um, sharing that. Um, so you know, continuing on this same vein, can you talk to us about some of the pros and the cons of starting a side hustle as a pastor, having a church and having a business or a few businesses or those side hustles? What are the pros and cons of that? Oh, the criticism is real. Mm -hmm. The criticism is, my friend Michael Cheshire wrote a book um, called Why Why We Eat Our Own. (laughs) <laughs> why we throw ourselves to the wolves. I had a dude in my church tell me a couple of years ago. Um, he said, I just think you just need to stick to pastoring. Like you just need, like, bro, like you just need to, it's what God has called you to do. As if him and God cool like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and he left, he left our church. He left. He, like he could not reconcile that I could do anything other than make him feel good on Sunday. So I think that's the first thing to it. I think if, if you're not willing, if, if you're not willing to accept criticism for people who don't understand your call, and this probably ain't for you. Can you, um, can you talk a bit about the mindset that contributes to those kinds of um, criticisms? Because where are they coming from? Because, you know, we're always talking the world about people that have all these multiple things going on and they're able to um, manage it. They're able to balance it. People can have families and they can have um, jobs or, you know, high capacity careers. But then when it comes to the church, it's a, it's a different story. So can you talk a bit about where you think that um, mindset comes from and how do we help congregations shift that mindset 
Yeah, I think when you look at American history and the role that the pastor has been assigned to, uh, not even getting into the conversation of what, well, what about apostle pastor? What about apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist? We've kind of excluded that part of Paul's mandate that, that he says, hey, these are gifts of the body of Christ to the exclusion of or to the detriment of like the pastor, right? Like this is just the pastor. And so then what we've done is we said, okay, along the way we said, okay, um, culturally the pastor needs to marry, bury, marry people, bury people, right? Um, counsel people. That's his or her job, right? Like, and, and then with the, with the advent of, of, like superstar pastor, right? Like the, the idea that the pastor's the man, um, he's the one that we look to. She's the one that we look to. Uh, he or she's re their responsibility is to feed me every single week. So I say that the church church leadership has cultivated that really kind of consumerist mentality, right? On top of here's what a pastor is designed to do. So really the congregation isn't even at fault. Because because we've made we've made church to be this club for consumers instead of like being a movement of fish fit people who are, are, are out to fish for 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 people who are far from God. Right. And so I think we, we've set up this culture that says this is your job. But then when you have a renaissance man or woman which was a beautiful word because Jennifer, I've, I've tried to, like, I've tried to be the one, like I've tried to be the person who's been like, okay, just the one thing person. Like, I'm just, I'm just not, you know what I mean? And, and so when it comes to like the pros and cons, I think, you know, to your point about the mindset rather that we've created a culture. And I think what happens, like if we're going to shatter the paradigm, the paradigms of congregants, who, who believe that their pastor's sole responsibility is to just feed them. We actually have to be renegades, really. We have to be willing to say, like, I know where this person is or I know where my congregation is. But sometimes the bet, like, OK, the best way that Jesus showed that he loved the world is dying on the cross. For three years, he said, I love you. For three years, he said, God loves you. For three, then at three and a half years, he said, like, the kingdom of God is like this. But the like the disciples, people around him during his crucifixion, like in his death, the centurion said he was who he said that he was. He really was a righteous man. Like he really. And, and, I, and I think it's the same way. Like leader, I think there have to be, have to be pioneer leaders who are willing to be crucified by the very people that we help to enable this consumerist mentality. Right. And, 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 and so like, that's, that's, that's the mindset shift that there needs to be some pioneers, but, and, but the whole idea of the cons is the criticism, but also the pro is, is liberation. I am more liberated today than I was, I don't know, maybe five years ago. I'm liberated because I can be who God created me to be. And I don't have to fit. I don't have to fit a mold. The other, the other pro to this would be when I elevate, 
everybody connected to me elevate. So how is it five years ago when we launched this last church plant that nobody on my squad had a company? And it was actually pushback. There's a little pushback. Myron, you kind of spending your time over here. I know. Here's why. Right. But now, five years later, 90 percent of our people, of our leaders have like have have companies. So what happened? I, I, I didn't budge. And because I dif- didn't budge, the 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 income of our leadership went to this level. Well, what did, okay, well, what did that affect? Well, now our leaders have money to tithe on. And then that money that they tithe on now is going towards what God has called us to do. Now we went over here and we started entrepreneurship incubator. Right. And so the pros to it, now we have, we, we have more entrepreneurs who are now owning their future in our community. And I like to say this, like, I'm pushing entrepreneurship so hard because I believe it's the it's the new urban apologetic. That's another pro. That's another pro. Because where, where I'm from, where a lot of us are from, people aren't necessarily like you ain't got just because you're a pastor don't mean you got credibility in the hood. And cats for show ain't showing up to hear an hour of you preach from the Bible. But they'll give you an hour of your time if you if you pull up in a in an Audi Q7 on some foes, pay for, and they're like, oh, the pastor ain't selling dope. He got a marketing company. And he has a real estate investment portfolio. He actually has something to offer me. Not that the spiritual isn't something to offer. It really is. But a lot of times people don't want to see the spiritual first. They need to see the physical. That's why Jesus had to become a man. He had to become God in the flesh. So we have to become in the flesh entrepreneurial so that it's an apologetic to those who need a reason for the hope that we profess. You feel me? That's so, so good. Yeah. That is so good. And I'm, and I'm thinking too, you know, as I'm listening to you talk about being a Renaissance person, you know, oftentimes we're boxed in with this phrase, uh, you know, it's, you're a jack of all trades, but a master of none. And people stop right there, but they don't know there's more to that. And I pulled up that quote. So this quote is a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Mm. So it's better to be a jack of all trades than just to have one thing you're good at. (laughs) Because if you're just good at the one thing and while you should master something, Right. You should add on to what you're mastering. Yes. You should add on to that. And so I love what you're doing. I mean, I've been uh, privileged to be part of some of what you're doing with entrepreneurs and teaching social media and all this different stuff. And we've talked about, you know, um, the hustle and all of that. And I just really appreciate you and your mindset uh, in regards to helping others see their way out. Mm. especially with the economic climate that we're in the recession, the gas prices, (laughs) (laughs) it's five Oh nine in the Midwest here. And uh, we never thought we would see the day. I mean, I remember the days when it was 99 cents a gallon. 
So <laughs> to get my age, but right. yeah. I remember those days and it's just like, wow, God, you know, entrepreneurship is really necessary at this point. And mm-hmm. so what you're doing is so important, helping people realize their potential, helping them see that there is actually um, multiple ways to get what they need and they can do it legally. They don't have to yeah. still. They don't have to harm anybody. They can do it and go home and be at peace with what they've done. And so I really want to thank you for being that example uh, in your community and, and online as well. I think people are watching and uh, anticipating even more from uh, who you are and what you do. So we talked a little bit about this entrepreneurial incubator. Um, tell us the thought behind that. Like, what was the why? Yeah. So, um, so many people of color, we've grown up in harsh conditions and, uh, mamas had to make a dollar out of 15 cent, you know, had like, oftentimes there was more means at the end of the month than money. And a lot of us watched our mamas or we lot, we watched our grandmamas or we watched our daddies become like really be entrepreneurs. We wouldn't have said that, right? We wouldn't have equated it to that. Um, but we never made the jump from, a lot of us never made the jump. Like a lot of us went into, you know, lifestyles that that weren't conducive to health and, and had to go long, around that long journey. But I think overall, my thought was, who, who else? Who else is going to help our community become entrepreneur, be entrepreneurial? Because a lot of times when you think about communities like ours that are that are maybe under underappreciated, overlooked, you know, and and oftentimes the support comes from the outside in to fix the problem. So, for example, we create something called welfare to help. First of all, it, it was, before it ever hit the black community, welfare was for the rural communities. That's actually to help farmers. Right. And then it, it, it trickled down into, you know, communities like ours. But then when you when you change legislation and provide support for communities that have always been overlooked, there becomes a a uh, how do I want to put it? A reliance on the, su- the support in the system and, and 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 enabling. Right. Like so now. It's like communities don't have to be entrepreneurial. All of, all of a sudden, welfare becomes an enemy to, to entrepreneurship. And when I talk about entre- entrepreneurship, I sum entrepreneurship up to um, the ability to solve problems that add value that you can monetize. So at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is about solving problems. So when we launched Shift Omaha, we said, what if we can help at least 10 percent of our community learn how to solve their own problems? And if we did that, what if we could then multiply that in inner cities across America? And what if in that shifting of the mindset, because that's what we're after, our our incubators is, is a mindset platform. Uh, we know the word mindset or the, the idea of shifting someone's mindset really is a biblical precedent that Jesus used the word repentance. 
So our incubator is all about repentance. Going from I'm not an entrepreneur and life is happening to life is happening to me and I don't know how I'm going to make it to no nah, dog. I'm the bomb.com. I am who God says that I am and I'm showing up and being accounted for so that I can add value to my community. That's the shift we want people to make. Because if they make that shift, a lot of these cats, they are like, they dope dealers, they dope boys. They, they in the pimping. They're like all kind of crazy stuff that's entrepreneurial in reverse, right? And so we said if we can help transform their hustle, shift the way that they think, there will be no limit to the kingdom of God in the lives of people who haven't given Jesus a chance. And so we launched this 16-week incubator that's mindset-based where we wrap around mentors who uh, maybe these men and women wouldn't have access to. And then give them a lot of support, uh, like like a micro grant or um, operational support, business coaching. Um, and it's, it's been amazing to see how actually I had a, a team from Chicago come down from the Global Leadership Summit to shoot our story. And I, I, called, on, I called on a few of our entrepreneurs and I said, hey, man, the Leadership Summit wants to tell our story. Like, come hang out. I think we had like nine or 10 entrepreneurs that just said I'm there. And we, we had an all day shoot yesterday. And it honestly almost brought me to tears to see the fruit of your labor and, and to see men and women um, like who, who have shifted the way that they think and they're adding value to their community. Entrepreneurs like Tori, who was a victim of domestic, domestic violence. And her husband invited her in. They weren't even married then, but invited her into the shift, our 16-week incubator, who then he actually went through. Dude was in the penitentiary. Like, I mean, crazy stories like Charles, who mom was murdered by his dad, grew up in gangs. Now he's leading a cleaning service. He's the co-founder of our on the pond summit co-founder of our on the pond brand i mean the stories are endless as to like what god is doing and so we say if we could provide that 16 weeks um and then ongoing support what could god do and we only have time to talk about what god has already done right Mm -hmm. um and we're honestly we're doing it without any government funding Mm -hmm. we're doing it without people believing in us we don't have a lot of like we don't have a lot of money. We don't have a lot of resources. But we said let's adopt the entrepreneurial mindset and bootstrap our way to helping people shift. Yeah, it's been dope. Absolutely, it's so important. I think sometimes it's missed how important caring for a whole person is and a whole community, which means the economics, which means um, creating this equity, you know, for people to be able to get money and give them a um, level playing field a little bit more. So, and that's so important that you're doing that. And it's important work, which I'm sure um, a lot of the leaders watching are going to be inspired by and want to do because it's needed in all 
love our churches, you know, not just a few of us sprinkled around yeah. this very large country, you know, we need more people to be getting on board. So that being said, um, what advice would you give to pastors or ministry and church leaders that do want to um, get started in starting side hustles? Yeah, so I would say this, an entrepreneur can either be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur, mm. right? An entrepreneur is somebody who starts something from scratch. An entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is somebody who's in an ecosystem or in a company, in an organization already, and yet they're there to, to provide value and insight and, um, to that organization. Mm-hmm. I would say to, to pastors, here's the reality. Let's say, let's say a, a pastor who's watching is like, he or she is like 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And let's say they got, let's say they have 20, 25 more years. Mm-hmm. Okay, what you gonna do after? Mm-hmm. And do you do you really expect the church to pay, like pay you? Oh, and and then, oh, social security. You think that's gonna be around? Mm-hmm. So what we're really inviting pastors into is to think about their future. Mm-hmm. Think about your. Do you really thank God for Walmart? Mm-hmm. Praise God for. Do you really want to be working at Walmart at sixty? Yeah. Right. So what we're really saying is, hey, what are you? What about the future of your ministry? Mm-hmm. What about the future of your, how are you going to put your kids through college? Mm-hmm. And, and when you die, what's the inheritance? Mm-hmm. So what we're inviting pastors into is to begin to think futuristically about their ministry beyond the church. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we're inviting pastors to think about, there's some talent that you done left on the table and that you thought was all, of, all for your preaching. Mm-hmm. There are schools, organizations, cities Mm -hmm. that are waiting for pastors who are watching to come, but they've just reduced their gifts to Sunday. Mm -hmm. I think about pastors, community development, leadership development, strategic foresight, Mm -hmm. community organizing, like all of these are skills that pastors have. Mm -hmm. And church leaders have. So my advice, man, the four walls can't contain your gifts. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and the unchurched are waiting. I, man, I, I get invited to speak in non-church, unchurched environments all the time. Mm-hmm. Those are vi- environments are, are always in desperate need of church leaders who have the real hope of the world. Yeah. But have yet to see that their gifts can function outside that's why i'm such a huge fan of of ed's church i'm a huge fan of what jennifer's doing because you two like y'all represent what i'm talking about Mm. you're the like you're the quintessential like picture of 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 not putting your light up under a bushel Mm -hmm. you know you know what i'm saying it's like the Hustle Pray E conference is coming up soon. I think it's November or September. One of those yeah. like, mm-hmm. is September. That is a prime example of, of a group of leaders who said, we're gifted as heck. <laughs> and we want to provide value to the church. Mm-hmm. And, and for you to have your second annual like conference mm-hmm. is super dope. And guess what? Like, like when y'all first put that on, it, it personally provided me a greater way to connect with more leaders. Some of my good friends are now as a result of the, like of the conference. Mm. 
Jennifer, some of my, some of my, some of my, some of the people that I, I would now call friends, um, Greg Atkinson, mm-hmm. who has a secret shopper business mm-hmm. and consults mega and micro churches across the world. Like there'd be no way that I would even know who Jennifer is hadn't it hadn't it been for some of these leaders who are starting organizations that are that they're monetizing. Mm-hmm. You feel me? And yeah. so I would say, pastor, man, church leader, man, don't sleep on what God has given you. Your life is too valuable to assume that you are just called to be a kid's director. Mm-hmm. I just for one moment, I can't believe that because humanity is so complex and like our gifts and our potential. And it just saddens me that most of our churches are prisons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of airports. Mm. Yeah, and that's so interesting because we always talk about the edge being more like an airport than anything. And, you know, a lot of churches, when they see like a high turnover of people um, coming and then eventually leaving, it's like they think, what is the church doing wrong? But when we see that we're able to send people um, into the world equipped to go and do the work that we're called to do, which is make disciples that make disciples, it's a good thing. So we, uh, it's funny that you say that because we describe the edge as more of an airport than anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um so like we said earlier you have written a series of books. So as we um, close out here, um why don't you tell us um about those books and where people can find them? Yeah, so there there are a couple of locations. Um you can go to myrpierce.com um and then you can also go to for some digital resources or digital books I've written, you can go to myrpierce.courses but all of my books are on the emphasis Amazon. Mm. Um, so I've written um, Side Hustle Pastor, How to Put Food on Your Table. I wrote a book in the pandemic that's probably outdated and irrelevant now that <laughs> technology has changed, but <laughs> a book called Digital Ministry, mm-hmm. um, Pastoring in a Pandemic. Um, oh my gosh, so many uh, black and white, how unity and reconciliation can change America. Mm. Um, uh, how to be white in a black man's world is super dope. Yeah. I had a pastor say, but it's not a black man's world. I said, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you can go to Amazon. If, if pastors are saying, hey, man, I would love to write a book. And that'd be, that would be the start of my side hustle. Mm. Um, I wrote a book called You Have a Book in You. I think it's called by me and a, a dude named Brandon. Um, you know that you've written so many books and you say, I think it's called, and you can't even remember your own titles. That means you've written, you've written a lot of books. <laughs> right. I feel like we should be rolling credits right now. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so Myron, um, what is next for you? You do have the On the Pond Summit coming up. Do you want to um, quickly, in the next couple of minutes, just um, talk to us about that? What can people expect? How can people yeah. get involved and so on? Yeah, it's interesting. We have two summits come up, coming up. We have a summit with um, Leadership Network called Business Made Missional. That's coming up August 4th. And then we have the, the On the Pond Summit, mm-hmm. which quickly, y'all, y'all have heard it said, give a person a fish, you feed them for a day, teach them how to fish, you feed them for life. And for mm-hmm. a long time, you ever hear something and you're like, mm, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like, you ever heard a preacher preach something from the Bible and you're like, mm, <laughs> like, 
And, and I, I've, I've done that with this. And finally, I think it was two years ago, it hit my spirit. I said, wow, chicken dinner, feed them for a day or fish dinner, feed them for a day. All right. OK, that's led to toxic charity. Um, oh, feed them for life. Oh, wow. You just want them to get so educated that they can just take care of themselves and not anyone else. Mm, yeah. I said, wow, we missing something. What if what if they're actually supposed to own the pond? Mm-hmm. What happened when someone owns their own pond? A couple mm-hmm. things. Assets. Mm-hmm. Inheritance. Ownership. Mm-hmm. Employment. Now, all of a sudden, I'm not just it's not just my lifetime. It's three, four, five or six lifetimes. Yeah. And so what people can expect is to learn the value of them owning mm-hmm. what God wants to entrust to them. Yeah. And uh, we'll have three main stage speakers wrapped around with 14 different breakout sessions on everything yeah. from digital marketing to health and business, mental health and business, music development, artist development, NFTs, crypto, mm-hmm. finance. Um, so, yeah. So like if, if, if we have people that are actually coming from out of town, like not a few, not a, not a lot, but um, different places. So if you're in the Omaha area or you're, you're in the Midwest, go to onthepondsummit.com and check out uh, what it's all about and uh, come hang out if you're free. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, uh, Myron, for giving us all those amazing gems. I hope and I know people would have learned a lot. Um, how was it switching gears today? And not really it was, it was interesting. Like, <laughs> And and, and it it was like fun because you guys are like incredible hosts and y'all always keep it going. And but it was cool to be in a seat of just add value because that's what I love to do. You know what I mean? Um, But you guys, you guys always make it easy. So thank you. Thank you. you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember to go to myronpierce.com for all of the books and all of the information. You can learn more. And remember to get involved with the Own the Plan Summit as well, which will bring even more value. Um, Thank you. We have been Church Next with Jade, Myron, and Jennifer. And we will see you next Thursday, same time, same place. Um, So enjoy your weekend coming up and have a great rest of your day everybody thank you for listening to this episode of the leadership network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders we look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions contribute our wisdom and pursue what is next visit leadnet.org for more resources information about leader cohorts and more that is leadnet.org